I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians 6:15 through 18. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst, and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thanks for uh, your goodness and grace. We uh, pray that as we are able to be together for a short time, that you'll uh, be with us. And uh, as you've uh, promised in Uh, this passage of Scripture that we've just read, uh, that uh, you will uh, be among us and assure us of the fact that uh, we belong to you, that you are our God and we are your people. Uh, We look to you for that and we pray that even in uh, this uh, uh, small company, as we are together, that uh, this promise would be realized. And uh, as we uh, connect uh, the ideas that uh, uh, your apostle sets forth here in this text with the uh, theme of worship, we pray that you'll uh, enlighten our eyes and give us uh, grace and sight and understanding that we might anticipate uh, good things from you as we uh, gather together for worship. So be pleased to bless us uh, to this end, we pray uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I want to uh, uh, go to the text and what I have written on the board, uh, but I have two preliminary things first. Uh, one is uh, that uh, I didn't quite get a question correctly Uh, last week uh, uh, about marriage. So I want to go back and just revisit that for for a minute. And uh, uh, I don't always hear well, so I I will leap off in a direction (laughs) which is not always correct. (laughs) So, and... uh, uh, I think the best way to answer the, the question uh, uh, had to do with uh, marriage, as I understand it now, uh, had to do with marriage, uh, not as a worship service, but uh, suppose a, a, a couple gets married by the justice of the peace in the courthouse. Okay, So I, I think that's where I, uh, I need to go with this. And... Uh, I think the appropriate answer to the question is uh, to understand uh, that although we in in Reformed circles do not uh, consider marriages uh, to be uh, worship services, uh, another facet of this is that uh, marriage in its essence is a covenant. And uh, so uh, when... The vows are taken uh, 
in a marriage service and uh, whoever is presiding pronounces the couple husband and wife, the marriage is uh, accomplished. In other words, at the end of the marriage service, they are married <laughs> because they've entered into this covenant. All right, and uh, some, sometimes we confuse uh, the fact that marriage is a covenant with the later consummation of the marriage. Okay? And uh, uh, we ought not to do that. We should just simply understand marriage is a covenant. All right. And uh, so the the covenant can be accomplished uh, either in a church setting or in a civil setting. This is the way it is. This is the way we understand it. And in a church setting, the minister is acting as an agent of the state. This is this is usually the way it takes place. And uh, so uh, the minister. See, not all ministers like this, so not all ministers will do this. But uh, uh, usually the minister is acting as an agent of the state, and so the minister will say, as I did when, when we lived in Kansas, by the authority vested in me by the state of Kansas and by our Lord Jesus Christ, I now pronounce you husband and wife. All right? See, you're acting as an agent of the state. Well, in a civil ceremony, see, the, the, the justice of the peace is just simply an agent of the state, and the justice of the, of the peace then pronounces you and would say, by the authority vested in me by the state of Indiana, I pronounce you husband and wife. Boom, you're married. All right, that's it. And uh, so, uh, n- no religious component is actually necessary for a marriage to be uh, affected. All right. So I- individuals who have been married uh, in the courthouse without a, uh, a uh, religious ceremony—that's great. That's fine. See, the marriage is recognized, and we in the church would recognize uh, such a marriage. So uh, uh, I think that uh, you, you can talk to me afterwards, and if if I'm not hitting on the uh, the proper chords there, you can. Uh, you can let me know. Uh, the other question that arose uh, last week was uh, some concern about the fact that somehow uh, the Reformed Presbyterian Church, because it, uh, quote unquote, say, I'll, I'll put it this way, quote unquote, observes the regulative principle, which I've got on the top of the board, in worship, whatever God does not command is forbidden. Say, I, I, I put this in quotes <laughs> because uh, I, I would not say that, uh, that we uh, observe uh, this principle always in its fullness and with perfection. All right? So we should disabuse ourselves of the fact that uh, somehow we're better than others. And uh, to emphasize this point, I'll tell you a little story. Everybody loves a story. <laughs> uh, uh, quite a number of years ago, uh, 
Uh, Irma and I were in a Sabbath school class in her home church in uh, Mineola, Kansas. And uh, the, the, the class had to do with worship, as I remember it. See, my memory is a little feeble, and this was quite a long time ago. So, uh, But at any rate, uh, the, the class had to do with worship, and one of the elderly men uh, in the class who is now gone to be with the Lord and uh, was an elder in the church. I don't remember if at the time he was an active elder, uh, but he, he was an elderly fellow and, and uh, had at least he had been an elder. And so he said in the class as we were uh, talking about worship, something to this effect. Well, uh, in the RP church, we have it right because we sing the Psalms. And so God is pleased with us. And I said, time out. <laughs> Be careful. Because... If you take that attitude, you are verging on the edge of works righteousness. And if you say, I'm doing this correctly, no matter what it is, and so therefore God is pleased with me and accepts me uh, because I do what's right, uh, you're in trouble. And uh, so we should never take this kind of attitude that uh, we sing the Psalms, we do it right, and so God is, uh, accepts us. Okay? No. We want to seek the Lord and uh, we want to love Him. And if we love Him, we want to, to the best of our uh, ability by His grace, we want to follow His Word. Uh, th- this is how we should approach things and, and not get things backwards and somehow pat ourselves on the back because we're not better than others. Uh, th- this is definitely not the case. And uh, so uh, I come down a little bit hard on, on this because uh, I think I think it sometimes is a danger and I don't want us to do you uh, feel uh, that this is the case? We're all right there? Okay. All right. So, uh, we, we want to be uh, individuals who love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And out of that love, uh, by His grace, follow His Word. That that's should be our objective. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, we began last week with this uh, regulative principle of worship. Whatever God does not command is forbidden. And uh, my argument is something like this. God prescribes how we enter heaven and into his presence. Worship is an entering into God's presence and into heaven. Uh, how we worship is prescribed by God. Okay? So this is kind of my argument. And uh, the, the f- uh, first point... Uh, uh, is easy. Uh, God prescribes how we enter heaven and into His presence. 
right? I mean, there's, there's no question about this. There shouldn't be, unless you don't believe the Bible. <laughs> Straight is the gate and narrow is the way, right? There is no other name uh, given among men whereby uh, uh, we may uh, come to Christ. We may come to, to the Father, okay? Uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if people say Christianity is too narrow, you say, you bet it is. It's narrow. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Period. Uh, and uh, the broad way is the way to destruction, and many there are who follow it. So, so uh, we should not be ashamed of this. Uh, uh, point two uh, is where I want to uh, go this morning. And uh, I, I want to help you, I hope, understand uh, this, this uh, second uh, point, that uh, worship is an entering into God's presence and, and into heaven. And I'm directing your attention once again to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to zero in uh, to begin on uh, verse 16. Uh, but uh, I'll give you a little context with verse 15. Or what uh, harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or, uh, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Uh, see, uh, Paul is uh, drawing a distinction between uh, idolatry and uh, tr uh, true worship, and the temple of idols and the temple of God. Okay, and uh, he makes this pronouncement. And uh, remember uh, the 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 bigger context that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and we all know the church at Corinth had a multitude of problems. What else is new? Uh, the church is in the world. The church has lots of problems. <laughs> uh, and he says, and notice how he says this. He uses the plural, we. And uh, he includes, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he uses the plural, and he includes himself in this statement. We are the temple of the living God. He's stating this to the church at Corinth. Now, I like to point out to, to folks that uh, the Corinthians uh, do not, did not have Twitter, email, uh, websites that they could look up at home, the way they got this information was that they were gathered together like we are gathered together presently and they heard these words read to them uh, from the letter that the apostle wrote to them. Okay? You follow me? So They were in assembly together as they heard these words. And Paul is saying to them, we are the temple of the living God. Right? And so the context 
again in which they hear these words is the assembly of God's people. And the words are being read to them uh, by uh, the, the, the leader of the congregation. And the pronouncement that the apostle is making is that we are the temple of the living God. That the church of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the New Testament temple. Okay? That this, this is the principle that's emerging from the text. That the New Testament uh, church, okay? and the church is not uh, the building, right? <laughs> uh, the church is the gathered people of the, the called out people of God, the gathered people of God. Uh, this church assembled is the temple of the living God. And uh, the, uh, this is the analogy that the apostle is making. And it seems to me that this is rather critical for us to uh, understand. The, uh, the popular notion uh, among scholars today and uh, I want to visit this some more as we go through our class. The popular notion among scholars today is that uh, worship in the church is patterned after the synagogue. And uh, the synagogue was, was a gathering of people also. And uh, as I say, the popular notion is that that uh, worship is patterned after the synagogue. Uh, but I want to show you, uh, as we go through our time, that uh, worship in the New Testament church is in part patterned after the synagogue, but it's also in large measure patterned after the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. All right? And Paul is tying into the idea here of the connection to the Old Testament uh, temple and the tabernacle. And he's pretty blunt about it. He makes the, the direct connection. Uh, we are the temple of the living God. Uh, keep your finger there in... Second uh, Corinthians, and look at Galatians chapter two or Ephesians. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter two. And uh, the end of Ephesians chapter two. It'd be verses nineteen through twenty-two. Now Paul is is uh, speaking to the church at Ephesus. He says in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. See, now you're, you're, you're in a new household. <laughs> You've been adopted into a new family. So this, this is the idea. You're adopted children of God. Having been, uh, verse 20, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, uh, himself being the cornerstone. Okay. So far, so good. In whom, verse 21, in whom the whole building, 
Now, Paul has in mind the whole church, the church universal, in whom the whole building is being fitted together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So he's, uh, Paul is saying here, the whole church uh, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. Now Paul in verse 22 brings it down to the level of the Ephesians themselves. In whom you also... The whole church is being built into a grand temple in the Lord. And you too, the Apostle says, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You too, the Ephesian church, you too, Corinthian church, you too, Second Indianapolis congregation, are being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. See, this is the idea. And how are the Ephesians hearing these words? See, not by email or Twitter, <laughs> obviously, but as these words are being read to them by whoever happens to be in charge of the meeting at this point, the words of Paul are being read to them and they are gathered together as we are and they're hearing the words, we too, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What is a temple? The temple, and before that the tabernacle, was the special dwelling place of God among the people. Okay, This is the idea. The special dwelling place of God. Okay, back to uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, Or what agreement, verse 16, has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. We are, uh, tagging on to what Paul says in Ephesians, we are a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Uh, I think... Uh, in, in many ways, we have to allow that to sink in <laughs> as to what that means. And part of what it means is that when you and I come to worship, uh, this is no PTA meeting. Uh, this is no Chamber of Commerce meeting. Uh, uh, we come together as the special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. All right. Now, uh, there are significant uh, Old Testament tags here. So, uh, let's go back and look at a couple of Old Testament texts. And, and I'll give you a chance to interact with me here 
in just a little bit. Uh, so go back uh, uh, to Exodus chapter 25. And I'm interested in verse 8 in Exodus 25. Now, uh, the book of Exodus is in three big parts. Chapters 1 through 18 rehearse God's delivering His people from Egypt. Chapters 19 through 24... Uh, involve uh, the the people at Mount Sinai and God uh, announcing His covenant uh, with the people and uh, Moses ratifying that covenant with uh, on God's behalf with the people. So there's redemption covenant, and then uh, chapters 25 through the end of Exodus has to do with the construction of the tabernacle. So the basic outline of Exodus is uh, redemption, covenant, and worship. And uh, you can say uh, that what God is up to is that God is redeeming His people to form them into a covenant community and a worshiping community. This is what God is up to. And the same thing is true with us. God redeems you and me to form us uh, into covenant communities and worshiping communities, or worshiping covenant communities, you know, something like that. Uh, this is the idea. And uh, when we get to Exodus 25, uh, we get the command to build the tabernacle. And uh, it's verse 8 in Exodus 25. Uh, and this is, this is cute in many ways. <laughs> God to Moses, let them, see, God to Moses, with regard to the people, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. So here's the, uh, the tabernacle. What's the purpose of the tabernacle? That God would dwell among the people. Right? This is the idea. And a little Hebrew lesson. You ready? <laughs> Not hard. If it was hard, I wouldn't be able to, to give it to you. The word for dwell is the Hebrew word shakan. Okay? Shakan. And uh, we derive the English word Shekinah from this Hebrew word Shekan. The word Shekinah doesn't appear in the Bible. Okay? Uh, but it, 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 it's a reference to the dwelling glory of God, the Shekinah glory, right? Uh, and uh, so... Uh, the idea is, let them build a sanctuary, a place where I may dwell among them, where my Shekinah glory may come down and be among them. And of course, 
uh, in the Old Testament, the whole idea of the Shekinah glory was God's presence, correct, among the people. God's special presence uh, among the people. This is the idea. And uh, uh, there's a reference uh, ahead now uh, to the, to the temple. I should do it this way. There's a reference ahead now to the temple which replaces the tabernacle and the church, see, which replaces uh, all of that. The church now becomes the special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And today, who is the glory of God? It's Jesus Christ. He is the glory of God. And so, so we, ha- we have this, this idea of uh, the church being the special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, uh, with that, uh, look at Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 26. And uh, it's Leviticus 26 that the Apostle Paul quotes in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Uh, Leviticus 26. Now, uh, first of all, uh, verse 2. Uh, I I want you to see that that, uh, we're not uh, stepping away from the whole idea of worship. Uh, In fact, uh, we are... Uh, in a larger sense, speaking uh, about the whole topic of worship. Uh, verse 2, You shall keep My Sabbath and reverence My sanctuary. I am the Lord. This is part of the context with which we're dealing with. We're dealing with the whole idea of uh, worship, uh, the sanctuary. And... Uh, uh, now, if you drop down uh, to verses 11 and 12, see, moreover, I will make my dwelling, see, same, same idea as in Exodus uh, 25 and verse 8. Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. See, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. See, the question now comes, how is it that God makes His dwelling among the people? It's by means of, in the Old Testament, by means of the tabernacle and His Shekinah glory. He dwells among the people. And uh, fire by day and a cloud by night and uh, the Shekinah glory, He leads the people, right? Uh, This is is the great and grand picture we get in the Old Testament. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul uh, will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Uh, And how does God walk among the people? The the tabernacle in the Old Testament. At first, uh, this is how He walks among the people. And how does He dwell among the people? It's uh, by virtue of the tabernacle that was built that He commanded and Uh, Later, the temple uh, that he built, uh, that he commanded Solomon uh, to build. Okay? Now, uh, well, let's let's go back to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians first. 
And uh, I want to add one other thing. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Second Corinthians 6. Say, notice the quotation now. Uh, the middle of uh, verse 16. For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said. Uh, Paul is now validating the idea that the church is the temple of the living God. How does he do this? He does this by quoting Leviticus 26, 11 and 12 with regard to God's presence. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So, he takes this concept that has to do with the tabernacle and specifically applies it to the church in our age. Now, here's a question that often arises. Uh, I thought God was present everywhere. And the appropriate response is, yes, (laughs) God is present everywhere. So, how is it that you're drawing uh, these distinctions We're glad there wasn't coffee in it. (laughs) Uh, The psalmist says, remember this now, and I know you do remember it. If I ascend into heaven, what? You are there. If I... If what? If I make my bed in Sheol, and how does the King James translate it? You remember? If I make my bed in hell, you are there. God is everywhere. God is in heaven, and God is also in hell. God is in heaven full of love. God is in hell full of wrath. He's there all right. You don't want to go there. God is in hell full of wrath. And what this tells you and me is that God, although He is present everywhere, He manifests Himself differently at different times and in different places. All right? And uh, I think in actuality that's a fairly easy uh, concept uh, for us to grasp. 
right, when we think of heaven and hell. Now we're, we're in between the two. And in this world, God will manifest Himself differently at different times and at different places. And one of the times and one of the places that God has chosen to manifest Himself in a special way is when God's people gather together for worship. We are the temple of the living God. And part of the outcome of this is, as God is pleased to manifest Himself in a special way, we are a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so, when you and I come to public worship, you and I should anticipate and pray for and ask God that each one of us should meet with Him in public worship in a special and significant way. That public worship should be a a special encounter with God. And when you hear the call to worship, enter into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise, this is not just a metaphor and it is not just a figure of speech. It is a reality. God is asking you and me to enter into His special presence to meet with Him. This becomes, then you see, as I see it, and I think as the Bible presents it, Uh, a very significant and special time. Public worship. Questions or comments at this point? The the Apostles' Creed and uh, the phrase, He descended into hell. I'm with Calvin on the interpretation of this concept, which means, I think, properly, that Jesus Christ experienced hell and all of the wrath of God, which is manifested in that awful place, that Jesus Christ experienced uh, uh, this wrath on the cross and that uh, His being on the cross and experiencing that wrath uh, was His 
uh, quote, descent into hell. Uh, that is, experiencing uh, uh, this wrath. There is no... Uh, see, this, uh, this would be the, uh, 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 the position of some. There is no literal descent of Christ into hell. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, some hold that uh, there's a literal descent of Christ into hell uh, where there's a second chance. Okay. No, no. Uh, the, the Bible is very specific and Jesus Christ is very specific. On the cross, uh, what does Jesus Christ say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And uh, the Bible says, and he breathed his last. In other words, when Christ died, his soul or spirit passed immediately into the presence of God. Uh, so this is this is the idea, and uh, so so there there isn't a uh, literal descent of Christ uh, into hell. Uh, okay. The question is in First Corinthians six, uh, where the Apostle Paul speaks of our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit, and uh, so you have two different concepts. See, this is part of the idea. Uh, you, you do have two different concepts. In one case, the apostle is speaking about our individual bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit, and we should not desecrate uh, uh, these temples w which are ours and have been given to us by God and are occupied by uh, the Holy Spirit uh, when we are converted and when we are born again. So that's one concept. And uh, we should not confuse that uh, with the idea of the church body. Okay? And uh, the church being uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow, so soon. <laughs> uh, so uh, th there are two different concepts there. And uh, confusing the two will, uh, can lead, I think, to some thinking, well, I'm fine, God is with me, okay. and so I don't need to be uh, going to church. Well, uh, now you've forsaken one of the principal means of grace. Worship with God's people. Uh, publicly hearing the Word of God. Publicly being involved uh, with the prayer of God's people, etc., etc., and uh, we're going to get into that uh, a little bit more, uh, also. Uh, other comments or questions at this point. Uh, I, I want to add one thing uh, to, to the mix here, and uh, th this would be. Second uh, Corinthians five and verse twenty. Therefore, we are ambassadors 
for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And in uh, Ephesians 6.20, Paul speaks of, also speaks of himself as an ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is the citizen of a foreign land who visits a country and represents this other country represents a foreign land. And uh, what do uh, ambassadors have in uh, the foreign lands in which uh, they work as they represent their homeland? They have embassies. They have embassies. They have a community of people. And so there's a sense in which, you say, you can look at the church as an embassy of heaven. This is another way of looking at the whole idea that the church is different than the world. That it is a special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It is an outpost of heaven in the world. What a privilege we have when we contemplate these things. And what a privilege we have when we come together for worship and hear the words of God saying to us, enter into my special presence. Enter into my presence. And uh, as a result, you see, I would encourage you uh, to think about worship in this way, that when uh, we gather together, it's not just a fellowship with one another, but it's to fellowship with God. It's to fellowship with Jesus Christ. It's to fellowship with the living God. It's to come into His presence and to hear His voice and to have His assurance given to us that we belong to Him and He is our God. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thanks for uh, Your goodness and grace. Thank You that uh, You are pleased to bless us. Uh, Thank You... Uh, that as we worship you, we, uh, we are called uh, into your special presence. And we pray that uh, more and more as we worship together in our own congregation, this indeed will be the case. And uh, we pray that uh, we uh, will uh, come uh, to worship, uh, looking forward to uh, not only uh, seeing one another, Uh, but with meeting uh, with you. Uh, Bless us to this end, we pray, and grant us your grace, we ask, in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.